If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, I want to start this week's episode by saying thank you for making my podcast part of your routine. There are thousands, if not millions of podcasts out there. So the fact that you chose mine and you have me as your coach and mentor is a great honor for me. So today I wanted to do something a little bit different and extend an invitation to you. Because if you like my philosophies and and you want to be part of a group of people that are hard charging and are taking action towards financial freedom and fulfillment, then all you have to do is hop on a call and talk to somebody on my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call to find out how we can help you achieve your goals. You don't have to do it alone. We are here to help. In fact, doing it alone is the longest journey towards success. It's a lonely one on top of that. So just take the next step. All I have to do is say yes, jump on a call, and then learn what you don't know that you don't know, and let's help you fast track towards success. Where we are constantly bringing you perspectives on how you can change your story, look at life through a different lens, and enhance the results in your life. And we're the perfect person on today's podcast. Danessa is an executive coach dedicated to shifting global conversations on leadership. She's also a shameless failure. She has supported executives across every major industry. She's worked with a ton of different Fortune 500 companies. I'm not going to list them all, but Hilton, KPMG, MasterCard, BlackRock, Nordstrom, just to mention a few. And she really believes that each and every one of us is uniquely qualified to lead and to live a full life. And her goal is to help you discover what is the story that you are currently telling yourself? How can you change that by perhaps looking at things through a different lens? And she's just authored a book called Naked at Work, where she helps people really lean into being vulnerable and authentic in the workplace so that they can get the most out of themselves. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation if you're somebody that's looking for a little bit of an edge and you run a small or medium sized or even a large organization because she's got experience in that realm. And you're going to see she's very, very sharp. And she's got some some beautiful little sentences that for me, after doing personal development for so long, really capture the essence of some of the trainings and learnings that we're trying to achieve by communicating with you all out there. So let's go to my conversation with Danessa Knapp on this version and this episode of the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Rock. I'm glad to be here. So as you know, we talked about before the show, we like to talk in terms of identity and how you shift identity because there's this force within us that we want to remain the way we are. We're a non-smoker, we remain a non-smoker. We're nice, we remain nice until something shifts us, gives us a new opportunity. And in your work, you are really helping people do a lot of that. So let's talk a little bit about how that works in your world. Sure. So we spend time really focused on what's the story you're telling yourself about you. 
And to be clear, we've talked before, Rock, as you know, I work in big organizations and small with people at all levels of self-awareness. So we don't sometimes jump into, hey, what's the story you're telling about yourself in the first one, right? Um, But for your listeners, I think we can start there, which is we're all in a story about who we are and what we believe, what we don't believe, what we should do, what we do. And that story we've crafted over a long time. And some of it we've picked up and carried even if we don't want it. And so I start with, let's look objectively at the story. And then how is that story both serving you and limiting you? Because all stories do, right? They both serve and limit us. And so our job is to choose what serves us most in the moment and benefit from that without limiting us too much. That's really well framed. I love the fact that you use the word story because again, that's a phrase that people in personal development are quite aware of. Yeah. Uh, I know there was a time in my life when I thought I just was the way I was. Yeah. And I talked to myself and I was like, I hope I wake up tomorrow feeling good. I hope I have a good day. And I hope people are nice to me because there's, I felt like there was nothing I could do about it. But that changed when I got into personal development. So how do you get people, first of all, to realize they're in their own story and then invite them to make a shift? So part is through asking them the question, and what else could be true? Nice. So you have this assessment. This person didn't tell you, you know, didn't update you after the meeting. So you think they're an ass trying to cut you out of what's next. Okay, totally valid, could be true. What are five other things that could be true? They could have forgotten. They could have thought there was nothing much that happened in that meeting. They could have thought they already did tell you, right? And so just opening ourselves up to the universe of possibilities of what what else could be true and then returning. Sometimes people worry that they've got to give up their story and that feels insecure and scary. Like you said in the beginning, we like to be really comfortable and stories make us comfortable. So what I tell people is you don't have to give up that story. You are allowed to hold tight to it. Let's just make room for other ones. Let's acknowledge this is the story that I've chosen. Now I'm guessing you're really effective at what you do because first of all, as you say it, I'm thinking, Okay, yeah, I'll be open to that. I like that. That's cool, right? So where did you get this kind of intuition or knowledge or skill set to be able to help people navigate through this and and become a better version of themselves? So for a long time, Rock, it was my side gig. Um, Sort of like you before, you, you know, when you were in real estate and building the empire, this was a thing you were doing really well, but didn't know that, oh, that this is a whole thing. So I was a leader in corporate America and I left for a while and started a business and in retail and came back. And the story that I kept hearing about myself was, hey, you know, you're, you're a good leader. I had people who wanted to follow me who would come join, join my team, even if I was doing a startup and they'd make less money. And I was really interested in how people think, in how we work through things for myself personally, right? I was in a bunch of stories and still am that serve me or don't. And so I was noticing those. And this started in school. I I studied psychology and sociology, but for a long time, it was my side gig. And then I came up on a point in my 30s where everything that I had so carefully put together in my life blew up. 
And the lesson I walked away from in that moment was, hmm, I invested a lot of energy in building this thing. Then in the end, it doesn't really matter so much to me that it's gone. And so what if I invested the energy in something I really wanted? And so that led to me leaving corporate America and going to study this. I actually didn't even want to be a coach necessarily. I enrolled in Georgetown's coaching program and it's this you know, prestigious program and it's day one and everybody's standing up talking about their big plans rock on you know, how they're gonna build it, where they're gonna take it. And it came to me and I stood up and I said, I'm just kind of interested in how this works. <laughs> I just want to learn about it. And I don't have a big plan. And that for me was the moment where I started becoming this person is just being open to what was next and figuring, well, I trust myself enough that I got here and I'll trust myself to figure out what the next step is, but I'm going to follow my curiosity. How important do you think, first of all, having a good work ethic, I mean, is universal. If you can't show up and, and put yeah. in time and effort, is to, you know, yeah. but there are degrees. There's a Michael Jordan work ethic and a Kobe Bryant work ethic. Yeah. And then there's a trickle down from there. Right. But you talk a lot about curiosity and about being open. How important is that to success in the people you've witnessed? Man, it is so important. And ironically, Rock, it is when people align I guess this is a misuse of ironic, like the Alanis Morissette song. But it, when people align their natural interests, their work ethic, if you will, looks like it grows exponentially. Mm. So there were times in my corporate career where I was just trying to make it work. I had young kids. I was clocking out as soon as I could. I was mailing in things that I could, still doing a good job, right? But they didn't get the full benefit of what I call with clients sort of the magic of me because I didn't have the energy to do it. Man, I love this work I do now. And so it consumes me. I think about it all the time. My team started laughing at me because I was talking to them about what we can learn about leadership from the three most streamed shows on Netflix. And they were like, are you serious? This isn't normal. <laughs> I said, yeah, this is, I'm nerdy about this. So if you find the thing you're nerdy about, the thing that you'll follow internet wormholes about, right? That you're really naturally curious about, you're likely to have a lot of innate energy for it. I love that. I love that. Great reframe. Let's talk about your book, Naked at Work. What are people going to get when they get that book? What are they going to learn? What are some of the tips and principles in that book? Yeah, so I wrote it rolling my eyes at how much we talk about authenticity. And the reason I was rolling my eyes, Rock, is I was saying, you know, we talk all the time about it, but it's sort of like hashtag authentic, hashtag no filter. What does it really mean? And oh, by the way, I, I spent years in finance. What's the business case for authenticity? Like it takes a lot of energy and effort to show up as your real self. It takes some courage. And so you better be able to show me that I'm going to get a different result <laughs> because otherwise I'll just keep concealing yeah, this. That's I fine. Return on my investment. Right. And so I started looking for sort of where's the data on authenticity that builds the business case and how do you really move people from A to B? And what I found was there wasn't that answer anywhere. And so I went through, I read all the leadership journals. And I mean, I was deep in research for about 18 months and built the business case for authenticity. Spoiler alert, authentic leaders are far more effective and you can measure it. And then I thought, well, I know the step-by-step -step transformation. I've lived it myself. 
I get to watch clients live it and let me articulate the steps and show people how to do that. And I just really um, wanted to approach it as really a manual or a handbook for if you feel like there's a better version of yourself and you're not sure how to get there, I can help you. And that's really how Naked at Work was born. All right, so I have a, I don't know if it's a political or a moral question for you, but yeah. where do people draw the line at work when, if they're gonna come in, example, I'll use an ex kind of an extreme case. Somebody comes yeah. in and says, listen, you know, I'm having a rough time. I'm being, um, I'm being beaten by my husband at work, yeah. at home. And they wanna bring that nakedly, vulnerably to the workplace. Like, when is that a human resources kind of conversation or not? Like, where do you draw the line? Because sometimes getting too personal fudges the business aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a line I, I am pretty proud of in the book that says essentially what I'll say here, which is if you think managing people's humanity is going to take more time, then you don't understand how much time you're already spending managing it. Right. <laughs> um, so there are things, safety issues, dependency issues, those things are HR things, right? Because people need resources and need them quickly. But things where people allow you more information, where they allow you insight into who they are or how they're thinking about something are really powerful. So if somebody says, hey, man, I can't get to work on time because I'm really distracted. I have someone sick at home. You might have one path that is the HR path, can we adjust your schedule? Can we put you on some kind of leave? But as a leader, you see, okay, maybe really detailed tasks aren't the right thing for this person now. Maybe this is an opportunity to give them something else. There are authentic things that happen that totally misfire. And I'll give you an example, Rock. So I am a strong proponent of freedom, of the rights we have in this country, in the US, and in general, in individual freedom. I am not a proponent of automatic weapons. I had a conversation with someone on Zoom recently and they showed up with an AK-47 as their background. Fully oh. authentic to him, I said, hey, tell me about your background. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm a Boy Scout leader and I wanted to show the kids something cool. Well, so that was really authentic for him and he didn't get my business. I'm not suggesting he should have done that differently, right? That's his choice. It's his choice to be authentic in that way. But understand that your choice about authenticity may have ramifications. I personally don't think it's cool to show little boys a weapon that is designed to kill people. Right. You know, if you're in the military, I can understand how you might honor that a different way. But as we think about it, that's a great example of he chose to be authentic. It had repercussions. And sometimes that's just fine right? I could do the same thing in listening to this podcast and saying that there are listeners who might say, you know what? She's not for me. We don't agree on that. And that's their choice. Right. So you need to sort of hold the space for your authentic self, which one you want to be bringing forward in service to others. So that limits some of the sort of um, dropping of emotional bombs, if you will, you're bringing forward your authentic self in service to others. But in doing that, you need to understand that that's, that means you may not be for all people. You know, I'm an acquired taste. That's okay. <laughs> you know what I, I hear you saying is I think it, it's not so much about um, divulging maybe some of the things that are, are really personal because sometimes you could be going through a divorce or something. You don't yeah. need to discuss that at work at the time. You could discuss it later 
maybe when you personally be able to process the emotions. But to be able to be vulnerable and say, you know what, um, I just got a promotion to um, you know, manager of this division, and I'm a little bit concerned because I'm not very good at leading small groups or public speaking, yeah. makes me nervous. And then your boss maybe says to you, well, listen, why don't, you, why don't we sign you up for this Dale, Gar Dale Carnegie effective speaking course? Yeah. The office will pay for it and let's grow you together. Is that a little bit more what you know, you're kind of leading toward? Exactly, because that's in service to your effectiveness with your team. Right. Right. I have, this, I have this thing in the way of me being able to effectively communicate. Can you help me? Yeah. And the other thing I was going to add to that or ask you is <clears throat> we're a society that's, that's really generous with labels. And we sure are. <laughs> so, so for instance, I, I talked to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I was going to do that, but I'm dyslexic and I'm ADD and I'm this and that. And they say it with a tonality of shame. And I, for one, think there are many roles, for instance, that of um, a fireman. It might be good to be ADD. Right. You'd notice something. Yeah. <laughs> you'd move quickly and you'd respond to stuff, right? Yeah. The ceiling's falling and boom, you're out of there. So maybe there's these labels that traditionally are considered a sickness. You know, I, I think, is there a way to, when people take on a label, to empower them or to offer to empower yeah. them? And, and does that come up in your work at all? Yeah. So... One of the things that I remind clients when we start working together is that I start from a place, and if I can't start from this place, I don't take the work, Rock. So this is how important it is to me. I start from a place of believing that you are capable, resourceful, and whole as you are. Okay, I like it. And you may have a series of lenses through which you view the world. Hmm. And that may make you better or worse at other th at things. And so my job as your partner is to help you see the lens and help you decide if that's the lens you wanna choose. And so in that way, we can turn labels into helpers, right? Into a way to talk about it. In fact, I do a ton of assessments with people, right? And they always sort of take it and they wanna apply the, the title of this podcast, right? I am, well, no, that's a preference. That's a predilection, a predilection, if you will, right? And that just means I show up and I'm on this end of the spectrum. So I know that about me and I can choose how I wanna move. So choice for me is critically important when we're working together. And your listeners can think about all of the real choice you have. You tell yourself you might not have choice. You might not be able to leave the marriage. You might not be able to leave the job. That's not true. The choice has repercussions or consequences and you're not willing to pay those yet. Yes. yes. So there's a great quote about change, which is how much are you willing to suffer for this outcome? Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a critical answer when we talk about change. Yes. And what's the flip side to that is I often think that um, there are people that let's say are not where they want to be financially or where they, they don't want to be saving physically that are suffering, but in micro doses every day. Oh yeah. They have trouble tying their shoe. Yeah. They have trouble taking the stairs because they're out of breath. 
they're not willing to or can't or won't go in and do the exercise or change your eating habits or save money because they're lazy to cook. So they want to order out all the time, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so they're, they're suffering, but they're not suffering in an intense jolt. No. They're just kind of slowly suffering all along. Now, how do people change that? What, what do they have to get the threshold where the pain is so bad that they boom, make a big change? I think there's two ways. Um, yes, you could get to that threshold of pain. I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone though, right? Cause we've all been there <laughs> where we look at what's happening around us and think this is the moment it has to change. And that's painful. I think the other is to really make sure you understand the upside of the other choice. So, so often we're thinking about, oh, that feels hard to change or, but I wouldn't want to do that. And we're focused on the change. We're not focused on if I could do that successfully, what would be possible for me? Mm. And making that the true north or the goal. Yeah, beautiful. So, you know, like many of us, I have, I have teenagers and I have a teenage son who's just found out that because of the environment in the world is his summer camp job where he was head counselor has been canceled. And he's heartbroken. He loves that place and he would have been terrific at it. As his mother, I'm saying, you might want to find another job. He's saying, I don't think I want to work. And so what I said to him is, what would be possible if you were working all summer? Look at that. What would be possible if you're not? And he says, mom, I don't want to work. I said, great, don't work. Let's envision that. What does that look like? How does that feel when you're back at school and your fraternity duties are due? Because I don't pay that. How about the 20% of your education you're accountable for? How are you gonna do that? And so really thinking about what is the outcome of both of these choices, rather than, hey, in the moment it feels fine to tie my shoe this way, but you don't realize you're making tiny accommodations across. So you're day. kind of like a, a consequence counselor. Yeah, I, I, I think I would say I'm a, um, I'm a reality checker. So what, is, what are we telling ourselves? We're right. telling ourselves we're just gonna chill out all summer and end up back at school and things are gonna be fine? What are we missing in that story? Yeah, I, I've, I've said to some people in my world, I said, if you could pay today's bills with tomorrow's intention, you'll be fine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's I'll, a currency I want. Right, it's, it's like, oh no, I'll, I'll make the bed tomorrow, I'll feel like it then, I don't feel like it now. No, you won't feel like it tomorrow, it'll be even more difficult. And I have a, a term that I learned from somebody called front loading. I yeah. love to get things done in advance. Yeah. So that just in the off chance, I have another option or opportunity or I'm not in the mood. Yeah. Bed's made, the boxes are packed, the suitcase is packed in advance and off we go. I, I don't want to have to fill my car with gas in the middle of a snowstorm with everybody else because gas right. prices just went up because I waited till I had no choice and it was on empty. Yeah, I think that lives, you're living ready, right? Yeah. You're living ready for the next option. You're living ready for the door that opens. That's really powerful. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You have such great terms, living ready. I love that one also. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of notes here. For those of you that are listening, you should re-listen to this because she's dropping bombs. I love it, <laughs> love it. So we have a short time together. We're coming close to the end. I want to ask you, who is your ideal client? Because you have worked with some of the best companies in the world, KPMG, MasterCard, Nordstrom, which may go bankrupt now, but it's another story. Capital One, Comcast. Who, are, who is the individual that gets the most out of your work? 
Yeah. And to be clear, Rock, you know, I work with lots of big companies, but I, I love to work with small entrepreneurs too. I work across the board. You have to be ready to do something different to work with me or my team. If you're hoping that you're going to come in and tell us about all the reasons you can't do the things and look for someone to say, oh man, yeah, that sucks. That's really hard. Why don't you call your buddy and go get a beer? That's not a coach conversation. My job is to help you see things differently, look at things differently. And sometimes people come to me rock with really clear goals. Like here's the business I want to build, or here's the next level I want to get to. And sometimes they come to me and they just say, there is something in my way. I can't name it. And I need you to help me name it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have really crystal hard core goals to come to a coach, but you do have to be ready to kind of lay it open and say, I'm ready to do some stuff differently and see what I can get. And that's why whether clients work with me or anyone else, it's so important to pick a coach that you can emotionally stand naked in front of because mm -hmm. then they can help you work through it. That's awesome. I think that there's a lot of people that would feel comfortable and confident. Let's give people a few words that you use to describe yourself as we head off. Uh, so I am candid. I am compassionate. And I am learning to be courageous. Beautiful. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And today we had um, an executive coach on today. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, maybe we'll have a conversation. Maybe I'll hire you. Oh, I'd love that, Rock. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for All having right. me. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.